Mm-hmm. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. you're free. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. And thank you for joining us on this Tuesday. A beautiful day here in sunny Southern California. I hope it is with you, but it will be more beautiful because you just heard woman. Well, you're going to have two beautiful women inside and out joining you in just a bit. want to thank everybody listening on radio, on podcast, on stream, also watching us on Twitter's Periscope, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live, Facebook Live. And we're really happy to have you with us. Also happy to have Kim Miller with us. Ms. Miller serves as an assistant to the USW International President, who you love and has been on the show. Uh, I'm a big fan, Mr. President Tom Conway. She primarily works on political and legislative product projects. And we have a midterm election coming up, in case you didn't know, uh, just uh, weeks away. And that includes overseeing much of the union's member-to-member outreach around the 2022 midterm elections. Now, prior to that, Kim was the director of the USW's Rapid Response Program, and we've talked about that on the program. That program educates and engages members in the legislative and policy decisions that impact working people. She is a fourth-generation union member who, along with her husband and son, call Pittsburgh, great city in PA there, home. Thank you for joining us. Good to have with us Ms. Kim Miller. Mrs. Miller, thank you for being with us. You like Ms. Miller, Miss Miller, Mrs. Miller, Kim, what do you like? (laughs) Leslie, please just go with Kim, and thanks for having me on. (laughs) I'm with you. I like that first name basis. Keeps us younger, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you you for being with us. And, you know, midterm elections, uh, you know, for the longest time when they're months away, people, myself, I'll say on radio and television, it's a lifetime away. Well, it's not a lifetime anymore. It's around the corner. We're just weeks away. And um, some people on the right will say there's going to be a tsunami. There's going to be a red wave. And there are people on the left that are concerned, you know, Democrats will lose a lot of seats in the House. A lot of people say the Senate is up for grabs. But one of the things I'm not seeing enough and hearing enough in the headlines, which I'm glad we're going to talk about today, um, are the wins that Democrats have achieved, especially wins uh, for workers. Right. Um, And these have been big wins and also not easy to get. I mean, Democrats, although they have a majority, it's a slim majority in both the House uh, and the Senate. Um, But they've worked with President Biden and there have been major achievements that uh, definitely are pros and positives in the columns of favor for workers and favor uh, for the families of these workers. Um, First of all, why do you think, Kim, that they don't get as much attention in the headlines? Because, you know, and, and quite frankly, that a lot of the people running in these midterm elections, uh, whether first time out of the box or certainly those who are incumbents, you know, running for re-election, why aren't they saying, look at all we've done for workers and their families? Because these are definitely, uh, you know, uh, kitchen table issues, which uh, the polls show voters are most concerned about. Well, Leslie, I can't explain why everybody's not running on these issues, because frankly, you know, I've been uh, working in and around politics for the better part of 25 years now, 
And um, in these last two years in particular, since President Biden um, you know, has taken office, I mean, the, the volume of wins that Democrats have secured is like nothing that I've seen. And, and obviously, you know, I am a member of a labor United <coughs> steel workers um, and have a strong union, you know, lineage in my family. And so workers rights, you know, are very high on my list of things that um, that, you know, we're just seeing, you know, a tremendous amount of support from the administration. Um, so I think it's um, I think it's something that, you know, certainly within my union, that's what we're out there talking about, you know, and a lot of those things we're finding resonate with voters. But unfortunately, I think some of them just don't fit into that 30 second soundbite sometimes. So it takes a conversation to remind people where we're at. And I think oftentimes in our media, these issues get crowded out for whatever the sensational thing is at the moment. So, uh, you know, in my union, we talk about uh, things that are missing from the headlines and things that we share within our union that maybe you're just not going to hear about elsewhere. And um, I think all of these, thank you for your show today to lift up these issues, because I think this is exactly what we need to be talking about. I'm I'm with you, Kim, 100 percent. You know, for um, decades, I've been talking to the USW, to other unions. I've been talking to workers, talking to voters. And everybody said, we need to get infrastructure done. This is something that could easily be done. Democrats, you got bipartisan support on this. This is a win-win. You go back to your state, you go back to your district, to your constituents, and you say, this is a job creator. And this is going to fix things and make our lives better, improve our lives, uh, improve the economy of you know many uh, families, working families. This is a win-win. But this president... And this administration and this Congress finally delivered that on that with an infrastructure uh, piece of legislation investing $1.2 trillion in roads, bridges, uh, ports, and more. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I can hear the hallelujahs, uh, you know, still echoing after uh, that was done. And honestly, there were a lot of people said, if anybody's going to get it done, it is Joe Biden. And I would agree with that. I always said that. Uh, and he did. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. And it's not just a big deal because, you know, left and right presidents have and, and Congress have just put it aside and, you know, pushed it down the road, kicked kick the can, you know, to the next group. This group got mm-hmm. it done. Um, and, and this is a big deal. Let's talk about why this is a big deal, um, because, you know, this goes beyond roads and bridges and ports. Um, but, you know, let, let's talk about why infrastructure and why that investment of one point two trillion is a big deal, mm-hmm. especially to workers and to their families. Yeah, well, well, I tell you what, Leslie, I'll start with the personal. Um, you know, each and every one of us depend on infrastructure every single day. Right. We turn on the tap when we get up. You know, we want clean water coming out of our, our faucet. You know, we we, uh, you know, check our phone for, you know, social media, whatever else we want that strong uh, broadband connection. Um, you know, we, we, you know, walk our dog in the morning, we want a sidewalk that we're not tripping over, you know, so infrastructure is personal. And I'll just share a story, you know, I'm sitting here in Pittsburgh, right? This is where I've made my home for the last two decades. And we have a lot of old infrastructure, you know, not only just in Pittsburgh, but you know, throughout Pennsylvania, throughout our country. Um, you know, this, uh, this past January, January 28th, we had a bridge uh, in our Frick Park that's uh, called the Fern Hollow Bridge. That bridge collapsed. On that bridge at that time was a bus, a city bus that was you know, transporting people. There were nine people and six other vehicles that went down with that bridge. 
thank God no one got seriously injured, which was quite the miracle. But, you know, that's the reality. And many of my friends, many of my coworkers would go across that bridge every day. Um, so infrastructure is personal, first of all, right? We want to, it's, it's part of our personal safety and our community safety. And then second, you know, I, being with the United Steelworkers, we are a primarily manufacturing union. Um, and we make tons of things up and down the supply chain that go into infrastructure projects. So whether it's, you know, the, the, the cement that will eventually go into a bridge, uh, maybe it's the asphalt that will be on part of a road. It might be the, the light lighting to, you know, to light up a street. Um, you name it, our union is up and down that supply chain. And so when you invest in infrastructure and you do it in a way that they did in, in November of last year when that bill was signed um, to really prioritize making the components that are going into all these infrastructure projects domestically, you help workers here, not just for today, but that's job security for the long run. And that's also helping out us build out our domestic supply chain, which has been so critical you know, throughout the pandemic and really has been a spotlight. So there's that dimension. And then there's the dimension of just competitiveness. You know, if you're trying to put your goods on a barge and go down a river, but it takes forever to get there, you're losing time, you're losing money, and it hurts your competitiveness. So, you know, when we have better, more free-flowing waterways that are updated and efficient, that helps our, you know, our domestic employers and our companies here in the United States. So it really is a win on so many different levels um, to have gotten this done. And you're absolutely right. And that it has been a decades long fight to get this kind of investment. And President Biden and the Democrats were with, with the help of a few Republicans, they were able to get it across the finish line. And it really is. Um, it, it's a huge deal. It is. And Kim, I'm so glad that you mentioned um, the clean water, uh, because in addition to the transportation infrastructure, 55 billion was delivered uh, to, you know, uh, put forth for, uh, you know, to deliver clean drinking water, and that affects millions of Americans. And and further, mm -hmm. uh, you also mentioned uh, high speed internet, and I think people forget that these yeah. are, are infrastructure pieces, like you say, that affect our, our daily lives. 65 right. billion to help ensure every American has access to reliable high speed internet. So. This legislation, like you said, very personal, made our community safer, uh, but created and sustained good jobs, union jobs, and helps us maintain our economic competitiveness. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Kim and more with you. During the break, check out the USW. Go to USW.org. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow Kim at Kim Miller. And we will be back with her, Kim Miller, assistant to USW International President Tom Conway. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. We are back. Thank you for sticking with us. And we thank Kim Miller, our guest, serving as assistant to the USW International President, Tom Conway. The United Steelworkers website is usw.org. Follow them at Steelworkers and follow Kim at Kim K. Miller. I said K Kim Miller last time. I was thinking Kim Miller would be 
uh, a comment. I was surprised she got the handle, but she's got the K in there at Kim K Miller. Uh, Kim, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We're talking about wins uh, the Democrats have uh, put forth with legislation thus far, heading up and uh, leading into the midterms just weeks away. And these wins have been uh, for workers. Um, let's move on to another major victory that congressional Democrats, Democrats, excuse me, were also finally able to achieve uh, a major victory on behalf of over a million workers. And these workers specifically I'm talking about are retirement. And those retirements were in jeopardy for over uh, technically around 1.2 million workers um, because of troubled multi-employer pension plans. Um, you know, Kim, talk to us about this. You know, at, at the time, um, prior to this victory by Congress uh, for these uh, pension employees, these workers stood to lose pretty much everything, um, you know, as a result of corporate greed, unfair trade, deregulation, the financial crisis, the list goes on and on. So speak to us about congressional Democrats saving 1.2 million workers whose retirements were in jeopardy. You got it, Leslie. So, you know, first, I, you know, the big picture here, you know, in terms of retirement security, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of polls of Americans, um, certainly within our union, you know, retirement security is is really a critical issue, right? We're talking economic issues here. Um, what's going to happen to us, you know, in those years uh, after we're done with our working careers? Um, so there was a, you know, a, a, a dire situation in a lot of ways that had been brewing for all the reasons that you named. So it's something called multi-employer pension plans. Um, over, you know, there's over about 10 million or so people across the United States that are in these. Um, and a bit over a million that were in these plans that were, were essentially going bankrupt. Um, and so we had about 120,000 of our active and our retired members who were in some of these plans. And like it, it was through no fault of, of anyone. And, and actually, a lot of the fault came from you know, government policy that would spur uh, manufacturing job loss or you know, some of the economic crises that we had. Um, so it left these plans in, in a state where the people who were expecting uh, this in their retirement, you know, they worked their entire working lives expecting this and banking on it. Um, this was their plan. You know, we're now finding out that, oh, you know, this plan might not be there for me. But then the even equally distressing thing is there's something called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And that, too, um, was going to go bust because it couldn't afford to absorb the different pensions. So over about, I would say maybe 10 year fight, at least, you know, when my union was involved with this, um, we worked hard to try and figure out solutions. And it, at every turn, we just sort of came up against the wall. And so really the only way to turn for this was a legislative solution. Um, and fortunately, a lot of our allies in Congress agreed and they saw the problem. And, you know, if, if that many pensions for that many people go bust, we have a massive issue on our hands as a country. Um, so, you know, through a lot of work, we had gotten partially successful in past Congresses, and maybe we'd pass it in the House, but the Senate, we were, we were stopped because we didn't have the support there that was needed. But this year, as part of the American Rescue Plan, um, that provision was included. And, you know, it was a, a partisan vote. Only Democrats voted in favor of this in, in support of, you know, shoring up retirement security. But we got it across the finish line. Again, 
just like, you know, just like the infrastructure win, we had another massive win. And so this is, you know, this is game changing. I mean, I talked to a number of our retirees and, you know, not only from our union, but from, you know, from other unions as well. And, you know, when you are depending on something, whether it's your 401k, whether it's a pension plan, whatever it is that you have been banking on for retirement and the rug gets pulled from under you, it can be utterly devastating. And so this win was just massive for everyone who was involved and for the people in the future who are in those types of plans to be able to know that the whole system isn't going bankrupt, right? And it's at a time when, you know, Americans retirement security, um, you know, is precarious. And, and we really need not only things like this, but we need social security in place. Um, so, you know, we're going to keep fighting on every front on retirement security. But this, this American Rescue Plan provision was a very big deal for a lot of people. Absolutely. And it's interesting, because I know some people listening might go, what legislation was passed that had to do with pensions? And and I say that because the American Rescue Plan was not known for that. this, even though, um, you know, helping and securing those pensions for those retirees was a significant uh, achievement. It was one of the lesser known achievements within a significant achievement known as the uh, American Rescue Plan. And, you know, to your point, Kim, you know, I when I graduated from college, I had tons of loans. My husband uh, was a physician. And, you know, there were many, many years I would go to sleep knowing that we had, you know, a lot of debt or we had to rob pay, Peter to pay Paul there. Mm-hmm. When you have assurance financially, you sleep better. And when you sleep better, you know, you're you're a happier person. You're a more productive employee. You're a better spouse, a better parent, a, a better uh, son or daughter, granddaughter, brother, sister, um, and and you're healthier, and that makes your the country healthier. It makes your family healthier. It's you know that's really a trickle down thing. So I I agree with you. Um, you know both my grandfathers were union workers, and you know knowing they were working so hard, but they had that pension which was the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that they had earned. Um, you mm-hmm. know working so hard all those years, uh, just just essential that that be guaranteed that nobody can take that away from them. Because I do, I, I, you know, I remember when that was happening and I, I remember thinking these people, they must be losing sleep at night because like you said, they were counting on this and now they can and should once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, too, when you look at this issue, the people who are impacted, they're Democrats, they're Republicans, they're urban, they're rural, you know, it, it's everybody, right? And these are issues that really cut across all of American society. Um, everybody wants retirement security and we all deserve retirement security. You know, people are working so hard out there in so many different jobs um, that you're right. This is what, this is what we work for. Right. And at the end of the day, we want to know in our, you know, golden years that we're not going to have to stress and worry about where the money is going to come from. And that's peace of mind that impacts your health, that impacts your whole well-being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also want to mention there was not a single Republican who voted for this plan, the American Rescue Plan. Uh, and this was also the um, a product of worker led advocacy for years. Uh, Kim, you know, talks about, you know, the years that, you know, she with the USW have been you know, working toward this. And so have, uh, you know, many workers and, and many unions throughout the country. And uh, the democratic action means once again, I want to reiterate that that more than a million families, approximately 1.2 million families, have a more secure future as a 
result of this legislation. Isn't that what we want our legislators, those we elect to represent us, to do, to help take care of us, right? And to protect us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking more with Cami and we'll be talking with you. Like I said, check out their website, the United Steelworkers website, usw.org. Follow them on Twitter, at Steelworkers. Follow Kim on Twitter, at Kim K. Miller. We'll be back with Kim Miller, assistant to USW International President Tom Conway, right after this. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. We are back on Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. And we welcome back Kim Miller. She serves as assistant to the USW International President Tom Conway. Check out their website, usw.org. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers and follow Kim at Kim K. Miller. Kim, thank you for holding. Welcome back and everybody watching and listening uh, the same. Um, let's also talk about another act. You not only had uh, the you know infrastructure, you not only had the American Rescue Plan, but we also had the Inflation Reduction Act. And across the board, the economy and inflation specifically, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and independent, um, you know, or, or whatever you want to call yourself as a voter, you know, this is the number one issue pretty much across the board. And Democrats had another sweeping victory that they delivered. And this is for the majority of Americans, which are ordinary Americans, which are working class Americans. And that was this past summer with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. There are so many provisions within it, but let's talk about something that directly affects workers, because among its many provisions, it will lower prescription drug prices by allowing Medicare to negotiate for lower drug prices and that is for seniors, which are growing to be the, are becoming the majority of our population, the baby boomers. It also institutes inflation caps for Medicare prescription drugs and improvement uh, for prescription uh, benefits. And it prevents a premium spike for those who are enrolled in the Affordable Care Act. I mean, these are just wins after wins after wins. Again, this is something across the, this isn't political. I mean, everybody agrees that we should have lower prescription drug prices, especially for those that are retired and on Medicare, which all of us are going to, you know, be a part of at some point in our lives. Yeah, you know, Leslie, I I completely agree. Um, I'll you know I mentioned that we did a survey within our union um, earlier this year, and we asked you know how pe- people felt about a whole series of issues. retirement security was number one on the list of you know people rating it as as very important. And then just a, a smidge behind was affordable health care and prescription drugs, right? And so we just talked about that win um, on retirement security with pensions. This is another win for retirees. And, you know, amazingly uh, popular, uh, well, not amazingly, but, you know, uh, a completely popular program with Social Security and Medicare, you know, they've just become so ingrained in, in everything that we do and who we are. Um, and to expand them and do something again that we've been trying to make happen for many years in terms of allowing Medicare to negotiate for lower costs. Um, you know, that's a big deal, you know, and bringing costs down, even though, you know, we're not talking, this is not going to happen overnight, but this is a, you know, a fantastic path to be on and, and another win, um, you know, brought to you by the Democrats. 
<laughs> Absolutely. That does sound like a good ad, Kim, <laughs> by the way, for the midterms. <laughs> they, they should hire you the way you did it. Exactly. Um, you know, also what this uh, legislation does, uh, what the, <clears throat> excuse me, Inflation Reduction Act does is it builds out our nation's capacity for solar, for wind, uh, for other sources of renewable energy. And for those that feel like climate change or legislation that you know, assist with issues surrounding climate change, and that's more progressive. No, it isn't, um, because we need to have other sources of renewable energy. If 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 nothing, then the prices at the gas pump, you know, that it, you know, were definitely part of a global crisis and Russia invading Ukraine and the pandemic uh, caused by COVID, and we still have COVID, you know, obviously, but you know, we're not living in in lockdown. Um, we know that we can't just be dependent upon gasoline, upon fuel, and that we now need to have these other sources. One, two, uh, we have to be competitive, right? You talked about competition. We have to be competitive, not just you know in our nation, but so, certainly on the international global economic stage. Uh, and all the other countries look at the EU; they they they're just you know moving you know quicker than we are when it comes to solar wind and other sources of renewable energy and then of course lastly these are job creators and if you're a po- look if i were in office i want to create as many jobs as i can you know and i'm going to work with whatever party including my own to get that done um so mm-hmm. i don't understand why you know republicans would turn their backs and then obviously their constituents you know benefit from this um but talk about this because, you know, union workers obviously know a lot about solar, wind and other sources of renewable energy and about the jobs that creates, the opportunity that creates and how it keeps us progressive uh, with regard to manufacturing and other sectors uh, where these um, sources of renewable energy are created and produced. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so so, yeah, um, so the Inflation Reduction Act had a bunch of pieces in there that will help us move into the future, you know, essentially. Uh, you know, I think that we can all agree here that, you know, the path that we are on with with climate change is, um, you know, we, we have to start taking steps now and other people are doing it. You know, we have to position ourselves as a nation to remain competitive and not cede all of the industries, you know, to others around the globe. We need to we need to be there. Right. As the United States, we need to be there. Now, my union um, represents a number of people in very, you know, energy intensive um uh, types of jobs, right? And we want to make sure that those jobs are as clean as they can be, you know? And and so there are incentives in here for things like carbon capture, direct air capture, um, even nu- nuclear power that will help ensure that many of our industries um, can remain amongst the cleanest in the world, right? And because that's, you know, ultimately we need to find ways to do what we're doing, but do it in the best way possible, and if, and if we're not doing it and, and leading the way, somebody else is going to be doing it. And we can't be put at a competitive disadvantage for that, too. Um, so, you know, there's there's a number of pieces here that, you know, incentives for companies to adopt these new technologies uh, to really help position for, for moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I had talked about <clears throat> just a few minutes ago our dependency on on fuel, on gasoline, Something else that we were and have been sadly very dependent upon are products manufactured overseas. And we saw during the pandemic how dangerous that was, that dependency. Not only does it hurt the American-made products, um, the corporations that have been good to keep as many, if not all, their jobs here and their plants here and their factories here, 
Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't have that dependency, we're not dealing with the, you know, supply chain clog. We're not dealing with, you know, things getting stuck at the port uh, because they're made here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, you know, and you can throw them on a truck and, you know, throw them on a train and, and get them from point A to point B. Does this piece of legislation and other pieces of legislation, but this uh, specifically, um, does this help to ensure not only jobs and not only good jobs, but domestic manufacturing jobs? In other words, does this promote more production and more factories being built here, more workers being employed here and more products being made here, made in America, as opposed to being sent overseas because, I mean, after COVID, we, I think we've all learned a very valuable lesson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And Leslie, just to underscore the importance of this, you know, I come from a small town in Ohio. And, you know, a which lot one? of the manufacturers... Which, Kim, uh, which one? Smithfield, Ohio, which is on the eastern side of the state in the Appalachian area. Um, probably maybe 800 people-ish or so, you know, no, no stoplights. Um, fantastic place to be from. Um, but, you know, Smithfield, Ohio, where I grew up, you know, manufacturing used to sustain those communities in that area. And when a lot of the steel and other manufacturing jobs went overseas, you know, the, the elementary school that I went to uh, growing up is closed. The grocery store that I went to growing up is closed. The church that I went to growing up is closed. Wow. And I could keep giving example after example, you know, but that's, that's the reality of what happens. You know, or on the converse, if, you know, manufacturing jobs tend to spark many more jobs in a community, you know, so if you have good uh, middle class wages, family supporting jobs, which by and large manufacturing provides, you know, you've got a little in your pocket to use at um, a restaurant or you're going to patronize the local grocery store and you're building out strong local economies. Um, So, you know, so first of all, we just need this stuff. And then, you know, second of all, you know, the Biden administration, and you said it for for this particular piece of legislation, but, you know, it's helping manufacturers in this country figure out how to move into the future to keep those jobs here and to retain those jobs here and and to build out the technology that we're going to need to remain globally competitive moving forward. So, you know, it's 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 a great thing. Um, and then I mentioned, like, with the infrastructure bill, the Buy America policies, you know, where, where we're really, um, you know, ensuring that our supply chain and as we're spending all of these, you know, U.S. taxpayer dollars, let's get the most bang for our buck and make sure that we're helping people domestically at the same time by keeping these industries, you know, going as part of the process. Because it makes no sense if you're, you know, if we're going to do a big project, but then you buy all the components from overseas, sometimes from, you know, from countries that are direct competitors with us that, you know, we don't necessarily want to boost their economy at the expense of our own. So, um, and I will say those things. And then I'll also just mention that there's, you talk about missing from the headlines. You know, there are a series of things that the Biden administration has done to promote just this kind of stuff. Like, there's this whole office that's Oh, hold created. that thought, Kim. Hold that thought. That's going to be a cliffhanger. Oh, we got to take a break. It. When we come back, I want to hear more of those things missing from the headlines. Kim Miller is our guest, assistant to USW International President Tom Conway. Follow them on Twitter at Steelworkers. Follow Kim at Kim K. Miller. And check out their website, USW.org. We're back with you. Back with Kim right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. It's funny, we're playing the music uh, from Lizzo's It's About Damn Time. And it is about damn time that you got things like infrastructure, that you got things like 
uh, the <clears throat> excuse me, the <clears throat> American Rescue Plan, that you got things like the Inflation Reduction Act, because these all help America. They help the American people, the American worker, American workers' families and the American economy. Joining us is Kim Miller. Uh, she is assistant to USW International President Tom Conway. Please follow her on Twitter at Kim K. Miller. Follow this, the Steelworkers at Steelworkers and check out their website, usw.org. Kim, before the break, and I apologize for having to interrupt you, you were hard-pressed against time there. Um, you were talking about other issues that aren't mentioned in the headlines, and you were speaking specifically you know, about uh, this uh, president, Joe Biden, and this administration's accomplishments and achievements that help uh, workers. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was just starting to share a little bit of information about the newly established Made in America office. We've never had, you know, a specific wing of government that is there to, um, you know, ensure that we are basically, you know, utilizing our taxpayer dollars to maximize uh, manufacturing in the United States, you know, and buying things here. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pieces like that. It's big things like the like the infrastructure law, but it's it's smaller, you know, things that are very much out of the spotlight like this as well that, you know, all combine to provide these boosts that we really need um, to kind of keep us strong moving forward. So many things have been done. I was going to touch on that Made in America office. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, instituting a new pro-worker direction at the National Labor Relations Board. Um, can you tell us about that new direction? And can you tell us what that means for the workers compared to how things business as usual have been at National Labor Relations Board, the NLRB in the past. Great. Yeah, absolutely, Leslie. And I should just mention, you know, a little bit of background. If you're not part of a labor union and, you know, or aren't really tuned into this, you might not really know uh, what this agency is all about. But, you know, basically the National Labor Relations Act that was passed, passed back in the 1930s, you know, set forth our right to organize and collectively bargain. And it was supposed to, you know, protect and support that right. Um, so, you know, the National Labor Relations Board has sort of two parts. It's got a five-member board that kind of rules on, on different things that come up in front of it. And then it also has a general counsel. And that person is kind of like the prosecutor uh, deciding, you know, like, like what, what direction um, that the, the network of National Labor Relations Board offices across the country are going to go, what types of cases they're going to press for. Um, so, you know, the, the president's prerogative is to, to appoint um, a general counsel. So this is one of the most striking differences between the last administration and the current administration. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners will know the name Peter Robb, but Peter Robb was the NLRB general counsel, um, you know, uh, when President Biden took office. Now, Peter Robb, uh, you know, those of us of a certain age may remember back in the 1980s, there was a strike. Air traffic controllers were, were striking. And um, President Reagan uh, fired all of them, right? And at the time prevented them from even doing their jobs again in the future, where that sort of changed. But um, it was a, a defining moment. And that sent sort of um, a message out to corporate America of, hey, it's okay to bust unions. We're doing it in the highest office of land. So the attorney, the, like the lead attorney at the time for the president and making that action was general counsel Peter Robb. So, you know, you can kind of imagine, um, you know, as the board is looking at these issues, uh, you know, so someone getting fired for trying to form a union or, you know, maybe employer uh, not, not bargaining in good faith or all sorts of different things that come up in front of the board. 
um, what type of stance Peter Robb might have. You know, it, it is not pro-worker, you know, and it was a very pro-corporate board, pro-corporate general counsel. Um, and that's just the world that he came from, right? And that was a reflection of, of the administration that he was appointed by. Uh, but on day one, President Biden uh, realized what a problem this was. And it, it really sort of attests to the pro-union nature of the president. He fired Peter Robb and instituted a new uh, general counsel. So there was somebody there temporarily, but now Jennifer Abruzzo, who has a labor background and a long background with the National Labor Relations Board, is in place. And um, the president also had an opportunity to appoint two people to the board. So now instead of that pro-corporate, you know, um, sort of environment, now we have a much, um, a much better environment where workers can get a fair shake at the board. So it's, um, you know, if, if you're if you're in a union, you know, you may have had a decision come through along the way that can, at the end of the day, impact your life um, in, in big ways and small ways. And so the board, you know, is really there to kind of, you know, protect workers' rights and, and make sure that we have a fair shake. Um, and when it doesn't work that way, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. And, you know, and really since the 1970s, there's been this growing, you know, anti-union corporate sentiment that's being kind of pushed. But it's an interesting moment that we're at in right now because we have union approval in the United States is about 71 percent, which is the highest since 1965. And people, you know, are supportive of unions. And this these actions in this National Labor Relations Board is very much in sync with that sentiment. And I don't want to um, I don't want to end this conversation without mentioning that we have a long way to go. You know, right now, if you want to form a union in the United States, corporations absolutely have the upper hand. Um, the penalties for breaking the law are, are barely a slap on the wrist. It, you know, and, and you could put fear and, and shock into workers and silence a campaign before it even gets going. And that's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. So we need legislative fixes. But um, the National Labor Relations Board and, and the direction that it's going now is definitely something that is middle class building as opposed to middle class destroying. Yeah, you know, and something else I don't think people realize, the National Labor Relations Board and the whole Department of Labor, um, you know, are, are, are not just supposed to be there to, you know, you know, look at, you know, hey, you know, is this, you know, cool contract wise, but they oversee the safety of workers, too, correct? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're talking about the, the Labor Department, you know, that's, um, you know, overseeing things like the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which, you know, carries out so many of those different things that protect people on the job. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Kim. And I was just going to say, you know, we're talking about changes and, you know, and one of the things, you know, in the Department of Labor, it's a union member heads up the Department of Labor these yep. days, you know, uh, Marty Walsh, you know, and um, we have been very uh, fortunate that he's joined us at a number of steelworker events, but he gets it, you know, he gets what it's like to, you know, to, to clock in and clock out and work hard for a paycheck and, you know, and, and all of those things that, um, you know, just really critical to kind of have that sense of if you're heading an agency like this. And even, you know, in the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, Jim Frederick, who was the longtime assistant director and, and lead investigator it, it, for the United Steelworkers Health Safety and Environment Department, is playing a leading role at OSHA. So, you know, it's, it's people who are very much in tune with the needs of everyday Americans and kind of what we experience uh, when we go into work. And when it comes to worker safety, you know, within my union, I mean, there, there people die every single 
year, you know, and, and I wish I could say that it was that that wasn't the case, but we are fighting constantly for safer workplaces um, because it's, it's utterly devastating, you know, when someone goes to work just to, you know, get a paycheck and support their families and never makes it home. Because of something that was avoidable, right? I mean, you know, that, that, that was something that was avoidable uh, and something yep. that corporations should have made sure wouldn't happen because it was unnecessary because it was uh, avoidable. And to your point, right. I love Marty Walsh. I'm from Boston. So I'm a Boston girl. So he gets extra kudos from uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> being, a, being a homeboy. But, you know, I have to say it's common sense to put people with a labor background and part of, in, in, you know, on the board, you know, the NLRB, but also mm-hmm. uh, the Department of Labor. And to me, that's just like, you know, mm-hmm. a no brainer. People with a labor background are going to get this job and, and they're going to be, uh, you know, fighting for workers' rights, period. Better, mm-hmm. you know, no more knowledge. Exactly. They've walked a mile, you know, and they've been close to these these issues and concerns their entire lives. So it's personal. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. We have about a minute left, Kim, and I want to give you a last word. Midterm elections are just weeks away. What do you want to tell those who are watching and listening to us today? Uh, try to tune out a lot of those ads and, and research the candidates. Find out what's important to you and how those candidates stand on those issues. Um Make sure you're ready to go. Make sure you've got your plan to vote. Um, if you'd like, we've got a great resource at uswvoices.org. You could go That's on right. there, click on the map, find your state, and you know get all the information that you need for voting. Um, but we need to get out there. We need to make it big. And we need to support those people who have supported us. Absolutely. Mark, let's put that up on all our social media as well for people that are driving and, you know, may not remember, but it's uswvoices.org uh, to find uh, that. Uh, yes, we're be- it's being posted as we speak. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, just uh, want to remind everybody, yes, that four-letter word is lovely, V-O-T-E, vote. Remember, some people in the world don't have that privilege. We have a privilege and an obligation and a freedom that so many people fought and died for us to do. So get out and do it. Get out and vote. I'm Leslie Marshall, Kim Miller. Thank you for joining us. Follow her on Twitter at Kim K. Miller. Vote early if you can too. Marky Mark Romaldi, my executive producer, says thank you, Marky Mark. On Twitter, follow the Steelworkers at Steelworkers. On the website, go to usw.org if you want more information uh, to find out about voting and get your plan together, USW, uh, uswvoices.org. And follow Kim on Twitter at Kim K. Miller. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. And once again, vote. Vote early if you can, but make sure you don't stay home. Can't complain about things if you don't vote. That's what I say. Have a great day.